Let's pray. May the words of my lips and the meditations of all our hearts be now and always acceptable in your sight, O God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Well, I am something of a visitor today and something of not, not a visitor. I am the area bishop. My name is Kevin Robertson, and I am just delighted to be back with you at St. Paul's today. So whether you are joining us online or whether you are here in person at 9.30 this morning, welcome. It is great to have you here. One of the many things I love about this community and respect about your journey together as a church is that you are always open to new people. I have been delighted to come into the church this morning and meet a variety of you who are new, relatively new, very new in some cases to this community. And I want to commend your clergy leadership, uh, Bishop Jenny and Tyler and Karen and Ben, who will be joining you soon. I noticed he's with us this morning as well. I want to commend them for leading this community in a forward in a way that is incredibly open to new people and to new ideas and to new ways to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ in our midst. As your area bishop, I haven't been here for a couple of years because of the pandemic, right? Um, I ha had an opportunity to be with you online two years ago, but before the pandemic, uh, BP, uh, I was usually with you on this Sunday, on the final Sunday in the month of May, and I'm delighted to be back with you again on the last Sunday in May and hope this can continue to be a tradition. This morning at 11 o'clock, as you know, 23 people from this community, some from 9.30 and others from 11, are confirming the faith of their baptism and proclaiming once again their commitment to be followers of Jesus Christ. And though that's not taking place at this service, I ask you to pray for each and every one of them as they take that courageous and bold step and renew their faith in Christ. As you heard Bishop Jenny say at the beginning of the service, um, today we, you, are concluding your E100 series. And I've had an opportunity just through YouTube to hear little snippets of some of the preaching since January as you have touched on some of these stories, some of these great essential stories at the heart of our faith. And what a privilege for me to be able to be a part of that and to be the cleanup crew, I guess, uh, pre preaching from the book of Revelation today as you conclude that uh, sermon series. Listen, I am standing at the door knocking. That's what Jesus says in the reading we just heard from a few moments ago from Revelation. And I don't know about you, but one of the things that I noticed very early on in this pandemic was that nobody was knocking on our door anymore. Oh sure, the delivery guy from Skip the Dishes or DoorDash rang the doorbell, but by the time any one of us got to the door, our dinner was sitting right there on the doorstep in a neatly folded paper bag, and the delivery guy was already halfway across the street on the way back to his car. We have two young kids, and before the pandemic, our front porch was bustling. But in the pandemic, that porch, which had once been a place of activity and conversation and welcome, it became silent and empty. No one was knocking. But through the Apostle John, who was one of the early writers of the church, Jesus says this morning, I am here. I am knocking. If you hear my voice and open the door when I knock, 
I will come and eat with you and you with me. When you hear those familiar words, and they will be familiar to some of you, I think, listen, I stand at the door and knock. Some of you of a particular generation may have in your mind an image, a portrait of Jesus standing at a door, often depicted as a wooden door, with a lantern in his hand or a pastoral staff gently knocking. I think that portrait has adorned church hallways and church halls um, in, in ways that most images have not. And we often read this famous passage in an evangelistic way. That is, we imagine Jesus knocking on the door of those who do not yet know him, who have not yet heard his gospel, who have not yet come to believe in him. But you know, this passage of scripture was not written to a community of non-believers. This was written to a church in a community called Laodicea, which is in present-day Turkey. The people to whom Jesus spoke, those who knew him, who had presumably already given their life over to him. So why is Jesus standing at their door and knocking? Hadn't they already opened the door to let him in? Well, because we know something about the church in Laodicea, which is the town or the city that we read about in Revelation this morning, we get a sense that the people of that church had become complacent in their faith. I know your works, Jesus says to them, and you are neither hot nor cold. So because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. Wow, what an image. I'm about to spit you out of my mouth. Now we don't know, other than the fact that Jesus has nothing positive to say about this church, why he singled them out, why they were being particularly chastened. The works that they had done seemed not to match what they professed. And so they are described in today's reading as wretched, miserable, poor, blind, naked. To be so lukewarm, so tepid, that the only reaction is to be spat out. I was reminded in hearing this reading this week and reflecting upon it of the story of Goldilocks and the Three Bears, one that you surely know, you perhaps have heard yourself as a child or shared with your children or your grandchildren. Remember, it's the story of a young girl named Goldilocks and she comes across the house of three bears. The later versions say Papa Bear, Mama Bear, and Baby Bear. And if you know the story, Goldilocks does several things around the bear's house while they're out for a stroll. She tries out their chairs. She tries out their porridge, which is sitting on the kitchen table. And then she ultimately tries out their beds. And if you know the story, you'll know that in each of these options, the first and second attempts to get comfortable and enjoy the house ultimately fail. But it is the third place where Goldilocks finds good porridge, lukewarm porridge, edible porridge, and a soft bed where she can lay her head, not too hard and not too soft. I heard not too long ago that there's also something called Goldilocks planets. Have you heard about this? That of the 1,800 or so planets that have been 
identified outside of our solar system, astronomers think that up to 20 of them may be Goldilocks planets, that they are not too hot and not too cold for the possibility of life. And yet for Jesus, speaking to this community in Laodicea, and presumably to us, lukewarm is not a good thing. Lukewarm leads to being spat out. As followers of Jesus, we also can be lukewarm, can't we? We run the risk, I think, of saying the right things and going through all the right motions. But often our hearts are not burning with the love of Jesus. The world is not transformed by our witness. Like you, I'm sure, I have been deeply grieved this week by the events in Uvalde, Texas, when 21 people, including 19 children, were gunned down in an elementary school. And what I have seen over the past few days of some Christian lawmakers in the United States who have had the opportunity time and again to change things, to change the laws, to restrict access to guns, have failed to do so. And here in our own country, much closer to home, the church's legacy of residential schools has been laid bare over the past year as the graves of indigenous children have been uncovered. But let's not just point the finger out there, south of the border or here at home, to that amorphous church. As individual Christians seeking to follow the way of Christ, how often have we not responded with justice, love, and mercy to which we are called by Jesus? I find that the church is so often lukewarm in its commitment to the call of God to transform the world through the power of Jesus' love. And I cannot help but think that there are indeed times in which Jesus just wants to spit us out. But friends, here's the good news. Jesus continues to stand at the door and knock. To the seven churches addressed in the book of Revelation, the living Jesus comes to, seek, comes to enter the house and eat. And to the one who conquers, as the reading says today, the one who opens the door and welcomes him in, he will give a place on his throne, just as Jesus has a place on his Father's throne. The invitation to the church in Laodicea is to realize its own imperfection, to repent, and to open the door again and again to the possibility of Jesus coming into their lives in new ways. This morning at 11 o'clock, as those 23 people stand here at the front of the church to reaffirm the promises made for them in baptism, they will be claiming and proclaiming that commitment to Jesus Christ once again, responding to the knock at the door by opening it and letting him in in a new way. What a bold and courageous thing to do. But for those of us who gather at 9.30 and others who will gather with them at 11, the invitation of the baptismal promises is ours to renew as well. And in conclusion this morning, because you won't hear it at this service, though people will at 11 if they tune in, 
I want to remind you of those promises that ground us in our faith in Christ, that allow us to open the door once again to the knock of Jesus on the door of our hearts. Here are the promises. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread and in the prayers? That is, will you continue to come and gather here in this place or in a church like it in order to be renewed in fellowship, in teaching, in the breaking open of the word in scripture and the breaking open of the bread at this table? Secondly, will you persevere in resisting evil and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? This promise is an acknowledgement that there are times when we all fail to open the door as Jesus knocks. We all fall short of what God has called and intended us to be. And so this baptismal promise brings us back to a place of repentance, to return to the Lord, to say sorry to God and to one another, and then to start again. Thirdly, will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ. This is the evangelistic promise of these baptismal vows. It sends us out into the world in a spirit of proclamation, by word and example, to show the world what it's like to be a follower of Jesus. Fourthly, will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? This is the baptismal promise that rests on those two great love commandments that we find in the Old Testament and then repeated by Jesus in the New. To love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. Fifthly, will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? This is the baptismal promise that gets our faith going, that puts our faith into action, that has us encountering both friend and stranger in a way that is open, respecting the dignity of every human being. And then sixthly and finally, will you stri strive to safeguard the integrity of God's creation and respect, sustain, and renew the life of the earth? This sixth promise was actually an addition from a few years ago, mindful of the fact that followers of Jesus are rediscovering this sacred earth on which we live, the sacred earth that gives us life. These six promises give form and shape to our life as disciples of Jesus. They bring us back to the core. They bring us back to the heart of our faith in order to be sent out once again as the instruments of God's redeeming love in Jesus Christ. My prayer for the 23 who will affirm their promises today in confirmation, my prayer for all of you who are here today, is that you too may be grounded in these promises, nourished and sustained by them, and reaffirmed in your commitment and faith to Jesus Christ. May it be so. Amen.